Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing, you dear souls? We've had to run a couple of encores lately, and I'm so sorry. Sometimes it's been um, a difficulty on our end with equipment. Sometimes it's um, other things, and I'm so sorry for that when I'm not with you live. But I am today, and it is... Uh, when? Nope. What is today? It is Thursday of the fifth week of Lent, or uh, in the old calendar, of which is the first of the two weeks of Passiontide. So this is Passiontide. We're in the first of the two weeks, and here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, we have all our statues and figures covered in purple, and, um, uh, and we are... Um, really not so much looking forward to Easter as uh, living the, how do I say, the privilege of any measure of abstinence and fasting and suffering with our Lord as he walks to Jerusalem. And Dom Garanger, um, who is uh, one of my favorite uh, um, uh, 1800s, and I've mentioned before he founded, um, he restored rather Gregorian cant, chant to Europe and was the first abbot of Salem, uh, the St. Peter's Monastery in France, um, has written a 15-volume um, uh, work, which we have, it's still packed in storage, so I'm reading, it, it's also available online, and I'm reading his uh, entry on the practice of Lent. <clears throat> And he bemoans how uh, lax Lent has become. And this is 400 years ago. It's amazing. He says, during these 40 days of penance, which seem so long to our poor nature, we shall not be deprived of the company of our Jesus. He seemed to have withdrawn from us during the weeks of Septuagesima, that's previous to Lent, when everything spoke to us of his maledictions upon sinful man. But this abstinence has done us good. It has taught us how to tremble at the voice of God's anger. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the psalmist wrote. We have found it to be so. The spirit of penance is now active within us because we have feared. And again, God does not want us to fear the servile fear of children, but to have the reverent uh, awe of God that everyone should have when they stand before him. But if we don't have that reverent awe, better the fear of the children have uh, than to uh, stand before him with no fear at all. And Dom Geringer says, and now <clears throat> let us look at the divine object that is before us. It is our Emmanuel, the same Jesus, but not under the form of the sweet babe, whom we adored at his, in his crib. He is grown to the fullness of the age of man and wears the semblance of a sinner, trembling and humbling himself 
before the sovereign majesty of his father, whom we have offended, and to whom he now offers himself as the victim of propitiation. Propitiation means satisfaction. He loves us with a brother's love, and seeing that the season for our doing penance has begun, and we're in the fifth week now, he comes to cheer us on by his presence and his own example. We are going to spend 40 days in fasting and abstinence. Now, we are, again, into the fifth week. We have one more week following this, which is Holy Week, before his death and resurrection. Um, but we haven't read this before, and uh, we've tried a couple of times, but it just uh, the, uh, there's been technical difficulties or other things, um, and we hope that we'll be able to do it this morning. Um, we have a little over a week left, um, and exactly one week to the Holy Triduum. Triduum means three days. Try three uh, deum is days, triduum, which is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. Um, um, Holy Thursday, where our Lord had the last Passover with his disciples, the Passover dinner, which became the first Mass. The Mass, beloved, is the Passover fulfilled. Holy Thursday, which which he instituted the priesthood and um, communion, the Blessed Sacrament. And then Good Friday, where he was killed um, as the true Passover lamb. And then Holy Saturday, where he spent in the tomb and descending uh, into hell. And then Sunday, of course, he rose from the dead um, to give life to all who will come to him. And what, wherever you are, beloved, whatever your, um, your faith, whatever the depth of your faith, whatever your faithfulness has been during this Lent, if you have given up on Lenten intentions, if you've done them poorly, if you've just had, hadn't done them at all, do not despair. Don't be discouraged if you turn from them now. If you are discouraged, if you say it doesn't matter anymore, I failed so many times, God's not going to accept it, you're wrong. That's the devil's language. That Those are the devil's thoughts. Pick up today, beloved. Pick up today. Begin again every single day. And if, when you fail, begin again every hour. Never give up. To give up is to turn from God. It, you never fail as long as you get up and try again, even at the last hour, beloved. So whatever you intended or make new intentions, whatever they are, begin today. It's one week before the Triduum and before our Lord's crucifixion. So begin now. It's never too late. Um, Dom Geringer said, um, Jesus, who is innocence itself, goes through the same penance. We have separated ourselves for a time from the pleasures and vanities of the world. Jesus withdraws from the company and the sight of men. We intend to assist at the divine services more assiduously and pray more fervently than at other times. Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights in praying like the humblest suppliant. And all of this for us. We are going to think over our past sins and bewail them in bitter grief. 
Jesus suffers for them and weeps over them in the silence of the desert as though he himself had committed them. No sooner had he received baptism from the hands of St. John than the Holy Ghost led him into the desert. The time had come for his showing himself to the world. He would begin by teaching us a lesson of immense importance. He leaves the saintly precursor, that's St. John the Baptist, and the admiring multitude that is at the Jordan that had seen the divine spirit descend upon him and heard the Father's voice proclaiming, proclaiming him to be his beloved son. He leaves them and goes into the desert, not far from the Jordan. There arises a rugged mountain which has received in after ages the name of Quarantana. It commands a view of the fertile plain of Jericho, the Jordan, and the Dead Sea. It is within a cave of this wild rock that the Son of God now enters, his only companions being the dumb animals who have chosen this same for their own shelter. And I believe St. Mark tells us that that wilderness is the playground of the devils. He has no food wherewith to satisfy the pangs of hunger. The barren rock can yield him no drink. His only bed must be of stone. There he is to spend 40 days, after which he will permit the angels to visit him and bring him food. Thus does our Savior go before us on the holy path of Lent. He has borne all its fatigues and hardships that so we, when called upon to tread the narrow way of our Lenten penance, might have his example wherewith to silence the excuses and sophisms and repugnances of self-love and pride. The lesson is here too plainly given not to be understood. The law of doing penance for sin is here too clearly shown, and we cannot plead ignorance let us honestly accept the teaching and practice it. Jesus leaves the desert where he had spent 40 days and begins his preaching with these words, which he addresses to all men. Quote, do penance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew's gospel, chapter four. Let us not harden our hearts to this invitation, lest there be fulfilled in us the terrible threat contained in those other words of our Redeemer, which is from St. Luke chapter 13, quote, unless we shall do penance, unless ye shall do penance, ye shall perish. There's the music. It comes up so fast for our first break, beloved. And you are welcome to call in all through this hour, um, toll free, with whatever is on your heart. And the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back.
At the Station of the Cross, we are blessed by the variety of donations our listeners generously contribute for our evangelization efforts, from planned gifts to employer matches. We even receive donations through transfers of stock. Please consider giving a gift of stock to help us continue sharing the love of God with our hurting world. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's one 877 888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. I noticed that you made a sharp distinction between screening and test. Why? Because it's really important to understand that when you perform a screen, that screen is only going to tell you if there is the possibility that that baby has a genetic disorder. It will not be diagnostic, a definitive test that can be done. A test proves it, yes. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live. We are here. And I mentioned that you are welcome to call in through in the end, throughout the entire hour. Our phone lines are always open and the toll-free number 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and you can text as well at the toll-free number. And we have a call from our friend Kurt in Boston. Hello, Kurt. How are you, Mother Mary? I'm doing just fine, dear one. And yourself? I'm struggling, but I'm hanging in there. I and, know you, know, you always do. I'm trying. I'm trying. But, you know, I, I got a couple of analogies, and you're bringing up Lent and, and all the austerities to it that we've given up on. I would like to say, you know, with myself, someone will say, well, what did you give up? It's nobody's <laughs> business. Well, it isn't necessarily that. I said, I'm trying to give up sin. Someone asked me, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm giving up sin. All right, we should all strive for that one, yep. Right, and I think, and you're going to find out that we all need help. I think that's why our Lord fell three times, but he kept getting up. You know, of course, you know, and I know, and everyone that's listening to this show knows that the only two sacraments we can repeat, confession and communion. And, you know, the devil likes to, if we're going to give up something, he will hone in his activities on that. 
no and question. then get you frustrated. But I yep. say, well, let's 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 give them something to work for. If you give up one thing and you fail, try something else. Let them get busy with you. And, Let them get exhausted. Exactly. And when you keep getting frustrated and keep going to confession more and more, I don't care if you go to confession every day, if that's what right. it takes. That's what uh, so, John Paul II did every day he went right. to confession. I mean, myself, I'm trying to up my game. I used to go twice a month. Eh, I'll be going every week just because I can see the battle that's before me. Yeah. And I'd like to bring up, like with Ukraine and everything else, we're all talking about the horrors of war. Yes. But we we are conditioned into understanding war is the way we see in Ukraine. War is the war of the soul. That's war it. is the way of of the spirit. The spirit is higher than the body. But yet we're not taking care of that beam in our own eye with all the drugs that are coming across this country and hundreds of thousands of people are dying from fentanyl. And right. but that's okay because we have to worry about somebody else's border. You know, I think it says worry about your own house before you worry about someone else's. Because if your own house is crumbling, how can you help somebody else? You know, and I yeah. think that's the crux of you know the speck in your brother's eye and the beam in your own. If you can't even take care of your own house, how in the world are we supposed to take care of the world? But yet the Catholic Church is. How can I say it? Mineralized. It's it's effeminated. It's emasculated. However you want to say it. And I think this is Kurt. Going on Kurt, dear, let me let me let me throw this comment in. Um, the words you're using are are descriptive and they're true. They're not all encompassing, but they're true. But I want to distinguish the church from its members. The church, as you know, my dear brother, is perfect and without sin because the church is Christ. But its members are in pretty bad shape. And the witness to the world is a disgrace. We need to separate the two. Yes, and okay. And I and again, like I'll just say in my in my area, I went to Mass yesterday. And it was a Nova, so I do go to the Mass, but also... A woman came up to me, who I know, and she says, in your area, this is in Arlington, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. They're going to have a huge rally this Saturday at 2 o'clock for abortion rights on demand. And there were signs all over. I tore about 15 of them down. And, you know, this is what I get. You know what I mean? This is what's out there. And I think they're trying to keep us afraid. You know, if you're going to say the rosary in public, say it quietly. You know, I say, no, get out there with a microphone. You know, okay. we need to stand up. You know, you know what, what you just reminded me of, Kurt? What you reminded me when I went to Israel um, with a group years ago, um, the Jewish people, you know, were quiet, and we as Catholics uh, were hardly able to say Mass in different places, and yet the Muslims, um, through, from the roofs of buildings, blew their their horns, not their horns, but whatever they used uh, instead of bells, and said everything over a loudspeaker. Amazing. In Israel, it was overtaken by Muslim prayer, and they're very faithful to do it, but by loudspeaker all through Israel, and yet the Jews did not. It's amazing. 
it's Kurt. Sweetheart, you know I love you. I know I love your heart. Everything you say is right up our Catholic Orthodox Alley, and I love it when you call in, but we need to get back to um, let others call, and I need to get back to the article on lead. Um, is there one last thing you'd like to mention? Yes, I would like to say, please get to confession, stand up for the faith, Good. and speak it loudly, and pray for me, because there's a lot going on. I yeah. hope we don't lose our country. We need a Catholic identity. And I listen to Michael J. Matt all the time. And anyone that's really top notch, of course, all I could say is, is this, someone's struggling, be compassionate to them. But when someone's lying to you, stand up to faith and say it loudly. Okay. That's a magnificent message, Kurt. Thank you, my brother. We love you. We love your heart. And you give us courage to not give up and fight. God bless you, sweetheart. Okay. Anybody else? Again, our lines are open. Um, you're welcome to call in. Let me continue with this article on the practice of Lent because um, it really contains a lot of what, what Kurt is saying. And Dom Geringer says, now penance, penance consists in contrition of the soul. Now, this is very important. Um, because people say, well, I go to confession, but I have a hard time fasting or giving things up. And Dom uh, Garanger is going to point out that the body, the mortification of the body, is part of penance. So he says penance consists in contrition of the soul and in mortification of the body. These two parts are essential to it. The soul has willed the sin, the body has frequently cooperated in its commission. Moreover, man is composed of both soul and body. Both, then, should pay homage to their creator. The body is to share with the soul either the delights of heaven or the torments of hell. There cannot, therefore, be any thorough Christian life or any earnest penance where the body does not take part in both with the soul. <clears throat> but it is the soul which gives reality to penance. The gospel teaches this by the examples it holds out to us of the prodigal son, of Magdalene, of Zacchaeus, of St. Peter. The soul then must be resolved to give up every sin. She must heartily grieve over those she has committed. She must hate sin. She must shun the occasions of sin. Our dear friend Kurt just summed all of that up. The sacred scriptures have a word for this inward disposition, which has been adopted by the Christian world and admirably expresses the state of the soul that has turned away from her sins. And this word is conversion. And you know, beloved, in my 18 years of evangelical Protestantism, conversion happened once when I asked Jesus into my heart. But for us, for true, not just true Catholics, true, true Christians, conversion is every single day. It's ongoing. We continue, uh, as uh, John the Baptist said, um, to decrease as he increases. And admirably, so let me just see, wait. The Christian should therefore during Lent study to excite himself to this repentance of heart and look upon it 
as the essential foundation of all his Lenten exercises. How do you study to excite your soul to repentance? You read and meditate on the Passion. That should be our entire reading during Lent. Meditation on the Passion. Understanding what our Lord went through from Scripture and from very good, holy books that focus on God and not on us. Nevertheless, we must remember that this spiritual penance would be a mere delusion were he not to practice mortification of the body. Let him study the example given by his Savior, who grieves indeed and weeps over our sins, but he also expiates them by his bodily sufferings. Hence it is that the Church, the infallible interpreter of her divine Master's will, tells us that the repentance of our heart will not be accepted by God unless it be accompanied by fasting and abstinence. Now, many of you may fight that, may say, no, come on, I went to confession. That's, that's enough. It is not. It is not. It is the soul that, uh, in partnership with the body, that carried out the sin. And it needs to be the soul in partnership with the body that repents. <clears throat> Hold on. One moment here. Okay. <clears throat> How great, then, is the illusion of those Christians who forget their past sins or compare themselves with others whose lives they take to have been worse than their own and thus satisfied with themselves, can see no harm or danger in the easy life they intend to pass for the rest of their days. They will tell you that there can be no need of their thinking of their past sins, for they have made a good confession. Is not the life they have led since that time a sufficient proof of their solid piety? And why should anyone speak to them about God's justice and mortification? Accordingly, as soon as Lent approaches... They must get all manner of dispensations. Abstinence is an inconvenience. Fasting has an effect upon their health. It would interfere with their occupations. It is such a change from their ordinary way of living. Besides, there are so many people who are better than themselves, and yet who never fast or abstain. And as the idea never enters their minds of supplying for the penances, prescribed by the church with other penitential exercises, such persons as these gradually and unsuspectingly lose the Christian spirit. The church sees this frightful decay of supernatural energy, but she cherishes what is still left by making her Lenten observances easier year after year. It's an absolute tragedy, beloved that instead of the church calling her children to higher penances, to higher, excuse me, higher sacrifices, she makes them easier and easier and throws out holy days and combines them with Sundays and makes the penances lighter and lighter and lighter, excuses from them. Um, it's like mother who will not discipline her children instead of calling them to holiness she utterly destroys them by leaving them making it easier and easier and finally throwing them out I would say to the church hierarchy you are destroying the sheep by doing such we'll be right back
Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, uh, to Mother Miriam Live. And we are live and we have a half hour to go and our lines are wide open and I would love you to call in with anything at all on your heart uh, at any point uh, during the program and the toll free number is one 5483 You may text at that number or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have an email from Melissa. <clears throat> And Melissa writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I am joining the call to women embracing their traditional roles as wives and mothers. I run into confusion, though. Um, Now, this is a bit, it's not very long, but it's a little lengthy. So, um, Melissa, I'm going to, rather than read the whole thing through, I'm going to um, dialogue as we read it. Melissa says, I run into confusion, though. What do you do in situations where the husband is not taking uh, leadership in his role? For my example, it is my understanding, for example, it is my understanding that he should be leading in the spiritual life of the family and taking the lead in devotions. Yes, the husband is the priest of the family. That's exactly right. My husband does not do this, and so I take it up in order for the kids to have that in their daily lives. Was I wrong? Um, 
Okay, let me just answer to that point. Um, let me say it this way. Never, ever take the husband's role. Uh, the most extreme example, which may not be a real analogy to this, if with the pre-shortage, if there is a pre-shortage, um, I'm not, well, let's just say um, there are those who think women should be priests, and they're wrong. Uh, women can never be priests. You could ordain a woman all you want. The Pope can ordain her, and she doesn't, will never become a priest um, because she's not ordained, because you, it, it's only men. A woman can never become a priest. And those who think they have um, and think they celebrate and confect the sacrament, uh, they do not. And so people who go to those masses are simply receiving bread, wheat, and water. A woman can never be a priest, no matter what ceremony she goes through. And so women cannot step into a man's role. They cannot. Um, they must take up their role um, to be the heart of the home. The man is to be the head. And when the man does not take his role, and the woman is strong and a bit controlling and steps into it, she is wrong. She is depriving the children of what their dad's role should be. But so if the husband is not the leader, he may not be because he, he may feel he's not as strong as the, as the mother. He may not know his faith as well. Um, and she may be telling him what to do or correcting him, which is, which is the downfall of the family and the marriage. Um, so if the husband isn't taking leadership in his role, he may not be sure of himself or what to do. He doesn't want to seem foolish before his children, and he certainly doesn't want to be corrected before his wife, before his children, uh, or at all. So I would say as a wife, you could say, sweetheart, um, it, we know, you know, God's design is for you to be the head of the family and for me to be the heart. And I think we both struggle with those roles. I tend to want to be the head, and, and you perhaps are more of the heart than I am sometimes. So um, can we just give this a try together? And, and um, I, dear one, I, sweetheart, I need you to lead. I need you to lead. We all, I and the children, need you to lead. It doesn't matter how you lead. It doesn't matter if you make a million errors. It doesn't matter if you stumble to us. The fact that you're doing it and try, trying is a tremendous encouragement to the children and me. And we'll all get better as we go along. So try to encourage him without instructing him. Um, uh, and so you say, uh, my husband... Let's see, it's my understanding that he should be leading in the spiritual life of the family and taking the lead in devotions. Um, well, yes, that's good to call the family together at night for uh, Compline, for rosary, for other things, but you can still lead the children during the day in devotions and the rosary and all of that if your husband's at work. Um, so it, it's all right. Um, and if, you know, if it's night and your husband doesn't do anything, you can quietly apart from the children go to him and say sweetheart it's seven can we start are you ready you know just let him let him do it um and that he should be leading the family right in spirit my husband does not do this 
And so I take it up in order for the kids to have that in their daily lives. Was I wrong? It depends upon the situation in your family. If you can kindly and privately go to your husband and say, honey, um, we really we uh, need you to do this so we can be a family of prayer. Would you do this, sweetheart? And I mean, just try. Um, and if he says, will you take it tonight? Go ahead. Go ahead. And you're under him. He's asked you to do it. You're not stepping into his shoes. Um, and so she says, when I'm reading devotional ch- material to our sons, he, my husband, will get up to clean the dishes, leave the room, look at his phone, etc. Um I fear this sets a bad example and also create a spirit of dishonor that my sons will pick up. You're very right. Now, when you're reading devotional material to your sons, um, he'll get up to clean the dishes. Now, I don't know if you're reading devotional material at the table, but you simply shouldn't be doing that. Let your husband read. And if he's not reading it, sweetheart, don't do it. Don't do it. Pray at the table and... um, let your husband read. Say, honey, um, would, would you read this for us? Um, let him do it. If he gets up, because no one should get up without the husband getting up and his praying at the end of a meal. It's better to do that than for him to leave the table and for you to read devotional material. Try to submit to your husband for the example of the children as much as you can. Your submission to your husband, even if their spiritual intake will not be as much, that will do more to teach them what marriage is and to teach them um, submission to one another than your leading them in devotions in Catholicism. Um, um, Bishop said, Archbishop Chapu said, the greatest gift a husband can give his children is to love their mother. The greatest gift, conversely, a mother can give her children is to love their father because children learn what they see. If a mother loves her, her husband and submits to him, not in servile fear, but in absolute love, respecting him as the head of the family, then they will learn to love If she opposes him, if she instructs him, if he goes up to do the dishes and neglects prayer and she continues to sit um, and and read to them, she is giving the example that she's the spiritual one and the father has nothing to do with it. No. Um, Follow, submit as much as you can to the dad. Mom, you've got to submit. And if he gets up in the middle of dinner... um, Uh, gently the wife could say, sweetheart, would you lead us in prayer before we leave the table? That's it. Not before you leave, but before we leave the table. You could do that, honey. Would you lead us in prayer? He may say, well, you're not finished. He says, oh, I'm absolutely unfinished. Try to come under him. Try to help him to take up the role without embarrassing him before the children. And Melissa says, secondly, what do you do when you ask for an opinion or decision from your husband? And he says he will leave it to you. Um, um, and, and she says, um, <clears throat> the reason he's saying it is because you have taken the position of leading the family and being controlling. Um, you need to be careful what you ask for and how you ask for it. 
if you say, you know, you ask for a decision from him, you're you're kind of leading him, and he's and and some wives I've heard them ask their husband for a decision because they want to play the role and let him have his way or let him have her way or whatever that is, but it's not done uh, in a proper way. He doesn't trust that the wife really needs him. Uh, the wife is letting him have his way, letting him play his role, but it's it's not good. Um, and she says, he says, he'll leave it to you, and then when there's a difficulty, his response is, I keep my thoughts to myself. It's because he's cowering, because you're strong, because you're putting pressure on him, and he knows the only way to peace is to say what you want him to say. And that may not be what he wants to say. Or maybe he doesn't know what you want, you see, because maybe you've been controlling and maybe in the way you're asking him, you're kind of leading him to take his role, which is not right. Um, When a man is respected and he knows he's needed, he will step up to be your knight in shining armor. And Melissa goes on to say, if you try to bring the husband into researching something such as homeschooling choices, he doesn't read the material, says the podcast or video was not recorded well, and dismisses my need for his input or participation. Um, it almost feels like I burden him with asking for input or colla- collaboration. Apparently you do. Um um, um, it, it feels, Melissa, like you've been taking the, the lead all this time and you're trying to do what is right in bringing him in. Don't try to do what's right in bringing him in, sweetheart. Just live your role as a humble, strong, humble, submissive, help meet. Submissive doesn't mean uh, being a doormat. We husband, wives submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Let the children see that. Don't let them see your life of frustration because you're trying to let him be the head or make him the head. And you're really still running the house that way. And the children see it. Um, and you're really showing up his weakness and his resistance rather than helping him. Melissa says, what do you do in matters of discipline for children? What is the wife's responsibility to tell the children to do what their father has said and what God has said? No, Papa doesn't want you to do that. Papa has told us to do this, and that's what you do. God wants us to do this. Um, it's, It's always to teach the children to submit to their father and to submit to God. Because in that way, you are being the heart of the home in helping them to do that. As children of God, we need to submit to our Father in heaven. But Mary is the one who wraps her mantle around us and helps us to do it. And she says, do whatever he tells you. Um, What do you do in matters of discipline? Uh, She said, I've been told by my husband that he didn't want to step on my toes as my sons were disrespectful and disobedient to me. I felt abandoned, but don't know how to address it. It just feels wrong. It is wrong. If he doesn't want to step on your toes, it's because you've been the head, and he does not. A man will flee from conflict. Women run to conflict. 
a man doesn't want it. He'll just get into his own world and be silent. He doesn't want it. But if you stop doing that, um, and he will, and he feels respected and needed, he will step up to his role. He will. Um, and she says, trying to let go of control is the easier part. It's not so easy. The hard part is dealing with the sense that the husband is not taking control and participating and leading the family. What is the right approach? It's, it's hard, Melissa, because to let go of control, that's been the foundation of the marriage. And it's conditioned the husband and the children and the family. So you need to gradually begin to submit. Um, she says, God bless you for your work on helping the faithful, Melissa. Um, Melissa, um, you need to begin to take your role as the mother of the family and not try to form your husband. Be the mother and submit to him. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for April 7th. Today we celebrate St. John Baptist de La Salle. A chance meeting in 1679 changed the course of John Baptist de La Salle's life. That's when he encountered a layman who interested him in opening a school for poor boys in northern France. Instead of living the rather predictable and quiet life of a parish priest, John Baptist left a deep imprint on Catholic education. His legacy continues through the community of religious men he founded, popularly known as the Christian Brothers, and the schools they operate. In 1684, Father John Baptist sold all his worldly goods and fully dedicated himself to education. The Christian Brothers opened and staffed a growing number of schools for boys of poor families and also established the first training college for teachers. John Baptist developed educational techniques that were novel at the time, including classroom instruction as opposed to one-on-one -on -one teaching. Not everyone approved of investing in the education of the poor. Many secular schoolmasters resented Father John's success. He also experienced rejection within his own religious community, which sought to replace him as their superior. John Baptist de La Salle died on Good Friday in 1719 and was canonized in 1900. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Don't let it be said, my dear friends, that you are not praying and sacrificing for souls, especially those in your own family, your loved ones, your beloveds, your friends, your relatives. We must pray. We can't even imagine people losing their souls in hell for all eternity. How could anybody even imagine that? Think about it. And then you'll pray more and more. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We've uh, just read through an email by Melissa, and Melissa's email is probably the most typical scenario of women, good, strong Catholic women, or uh, who have become deeper in their faith since their marriage. 
and perhaps they're stronger in their faith than their husbands, or at least they are kind of taking the reins of the family and leading the family in in teaching and spiritual life and homeschooling and all of that. And the husband gradually kind of goes into the background. And, um, and we learn that the men are to be the priests of the family, the heads of the family, and the wife the heart. But the wife has been the head so long because it's a... Um, natural, or I should say, not supernatural, but natural product of the fall that women are controlling. God created women to be the man's helpmate, to submit to him, to be his um, partner, not as his equal, but as his really, his helper, his encourager. Um, And uh, read Ephesians chapter 5, which is as true today as when Paul wrote it, 2,000 years ago, but it's very, very difficult when the woman learns that she's controlling and the, she wants the man to be the head, but it's, it's almost that his role is lost because um, there have been so many arguments or so many put-downs before the children, so much controlling behavior or correction of a man in front of the children that he has just backed out and will hide. Um, not necessarily because he's a coward, he just doesn't want to fight. He's fighting a woman who's not living her role. And as the consequence, he doesn't live his role. And it's frustrating for the wife because she wants him to man up and take the lead. So it's it's the fault of both. Um, but if, if a wife says, as Melissa has, she's trying to lose her control, lessen her control, it means she's had control, and she's now trying to help the husband be the head. You'll never play your role if you're trying to help the husband be the head. You'll only help him if you play the role that you're supposed to be and leave your husband with God to build him up. And during the break, I've only recently... Uh, been made aware of the apostolate sword and spade it's on the internet sword and spade dot com and i have the current issue with me it is um volume four issue one let me see if i can uh, hold that up to you um here you go um sword and spade and it is for men and it is for every man uh, whether he's uh, married or not, uh, regardless of his um, um, profession. Uh, there's a little description here on the front page, and it says, um, Sword and Spade is a publication of Fraternus, a Catholic apostolate, dedicated to the mentoring of boys, to mentoring boys into virtuous Catholic men. So it's dedicated to mentoring boys into virtuous, virtuous Catholic men. I recommend this for your teenagers, but also for men, because you can't give what you don't have. And this would be a fantastic uh, help for you to grow into your godly role. And it says, therefore, <clears throat> the mission of sword and spade, um, the mission of sword and spade is to help inspire and form the men of fraternus so you don't have to um, 
be a part of their uh, apostolate formally. I have recently signed on myself, and I'm not a man. So no limitations here. But its scope is not limited to one apostolate. All men are sons, brothers, and fathers, or at least they're called to be. This publication serves not just one apostolate, but all men who embrace their true identity as Catholic fathers and leaders. So I would suggest that you go to, um, they have father-son retreats. Uh, I'm just uh, beginning to discover uh, what this apostolate is about. And they have uh, uh, sent emails out, and they have this magnificent magazine and all sorts of resources. Um, Sword swordandspade.com let me see if I can get that before the camera um, how's this can you see it there we go swordandspade.com look online beloved Easter's coming up this would be a wonderful Easter gift for your husband or his birthday gift uh, don't wait till Christmas um, any, any opportunity you have for a gift give it to him well, maybe not for Easter because the Easter should be focused on Christ and the resurrection. But if it's a birthday, if it's an anniversary, um, whatever it is, and you don't have to have an occasion, just say, sweetheart, I just found the most magnificent apostolate. I hope I could find one for me, for wives and women, as good as this is for husbands and men, but give it to him. It's, I've, I've just begun reading it. And um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Men need help from men, um, from their wives. Wives, you'll help them the most by living the vocation God has given you, not filling in for your husband's vocation. A loving, loving wife does things in loving ways. You um, and um, let leave your your husband to God. Leave your husband to God. So again, you want devotions at the table. You can talk to your husband about it. If he says you do it, say, sweetheart, I would do it. In fact, I would grab the opportunity to do it, but that's the problem. I'm controlling. That's a fruit of the fall, but which means I want to take up anybody who doesn't fill their role, and I want to fill it. But then I'm not living my role before God, honey, and I want to so much. I can't live my whole, my role, or at least it's difficult for me. I'm not going to give you an excuse, but I want to be the wife God has made me to be for you and the woman he's made me to be for you and, and for the children and for him. But I need your help. If I take your role, I'm not going to do it. I'm still going to be controlling, sweetheart. So um, it's between you and God. I'm not going to instruct you or do anything. If you if you want my help, I want to be your helpmate. But, um, sweetheart, if you don't want to read devotions at the table, we just won't do it. I'm not taking, I'm not going to step in and do that, sweetheart, while you do the dishes. I need you. I need you to be with us. I need you to lead us. So, no, if you want to get up to the table after we eat and clear the table, we will do that together. We will follow you, honey, whatever you do. And my suggestion would be that would help me and all of us if you let in, in prayer just a little prayer of thanksgiving when we stand up um, it, it, because our example teaches the children and I wish I would love you to do that um, 
And you can say, let's pray together. You don't have to lead. You can lead our praying together. Say, let's just give God thanks. And print out a little, look at it on the web. One line, we give thee thanks, dear Lord, for these thy gifts and all we've received from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Look it up, print it out, give it to each one. We pray prayers here with the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, before and after each meal. And when new women enter, they don't know our prayers, so we print them out and give them to them. And your children could read them. Uh, the husband could read them. You just He could say, here, let me pass this out. We'll all pray this together. Make the sign of the cross. Thank you, dear Lord. Let's pray together. So the husband's leading, but the family's doing it together. And it will be a tremendous, uplifting situation, much more beneficial and spiritual than if he went to do the dishes and you continued devotions. Okay. It's not easy, but with God's grace, everything is possible. God bless you, dear ones, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow.